This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. A mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of a law. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I am Sal, and I'm joined today by the illustrious and incredible and Eisner Award-winning creator, Chip Zdarsky. Thank you so much for being here, man. Great. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, so, how's it going? It's going good. It's uh, a lot of work. I did some conventions, which means uh, I'm behind in everything in my life. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what conventions do. It's a yeah. place where you don't make any money. But you do get to connect with fans, and you yeah. don't get to co- catch up with any work. It's amazing. Yeah, like for uh, comic creators, uh, it's kind of feast or famine socially. It's uh, you're either by yourself every day, all the time, or you're around thousands of people at conventions. So, <laughs> it's uh, it's an experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I love conventions, but they are uh, an overwhelming experience. I can't yeah, you, imagine. You trick yourself because you're like, oh, it's a convention, so you know, just the weekend. Right. But then, well, yeah, they're usually three days, but maybe exactly. four days. And then there's a travel day. Yep. And then you got to get ready for it. Mm-hmm. And then you're usually sick after you get back. So it's every show is basically like a week lost. Yeah. And you are uh, a, you're a double threat because you are an artist and a writer. So at least your table has stuff on it. You know, when <laughs> yeah. it comes to writing, it's like here are some books I wrote. I don't know. Thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Writers, well, yeah. Writers get it a little bit easier, I think. Yeah. They have to like sign their stack and off they go. They can wander the show. But I do sketches and things, and you know, uh, it, it takes more time. Right. Yeah. Uh, dude. Okay. So when I got into your work, uh, <laughs> uh, it was actually through my wife's love of sex criminals, which with oh, your awesome. work with the incredible Matt Fraction. Cool. Um, I had no idea that you were an artist until Sex Criminals. It was. Uh, my exposure to your work through Howard the Duck. Okay. Which I was like, I don't think this guy likes Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love Spider-Man. I know Howard you do. Is, Howard the Duck is my love letter to Spider-Man. Which is hilarious. It's like one of those letters where it's like uh, it's like a roast, I think, where it's like, yo, uh, I think you suck, but also I know everything about you in an intimate and like penetratively insightful way. <laughs> so I only know your most like your your darkest and deepest insecurities. Yeah, I feel like if, if you love Spider-Man, if you yeah. truly love Spider-Man, that means um, you love the fact that he uh, experiences pain all the time because <laughs> it's what the character is. Yeah, he is just pain personified. Yeah, he's a fuck up. <laughs> he has to be. If he's not, up. if he stops being a fuck up, then he kind of stops being Spider-Man. Right, right. Yeah, nobody wants to see Spider-Man just have a good day and everything work out fine. Yeah, everyone thinks they do, but then I was like, okay, well, great, you've got that story. Now, what do you do for the next 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> True enough. Yeah. Um, so, through your... Uh, okay, so I have to I have to ask about uh, your work on Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, how did it come about? What got you onto the project? And ultimately, what made you decide that you had kind of like reached your, your, your limit on that book? Um, yeah, so at that point I'd just done, I'd done Howard the Duck and Star-Lord. Right. And I think I was also doing Jughead for Archie at mm-hmm. the time. And, uh, Marvel kept kind of, uh, pitching me on books, like asking me to, 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 to write pitches on various titles. And, uh, I kept saying no. <laughs> um, and then the part, reason? just too much well, work. Well, yeah, yeah. Cause like, uh, you know, it was kind of knee deep in sex criminals and the, the book. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never get used to it. It's rough um, to talk about. It really is. Like to say out uh, loud in polite society. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm knee deep in sex criminals. Like, yeah, oh. my name is my name is linked to that term on Google for the rest of my life. But yeah, uh, yeah unfortunately. <laughs> but um, sex criminals, when uh, when I have a script in front of me, um, it takes like those are like eight to ten hour days just drawing. And so any kind of writing project uh, has to be done either in the morning, right when I wake up, or in the evenings before I go to bed and on weekends. Like, yeah. there's just no time to take on projects. So Marvel kept pitching me things. I was like, well, you know, is this worth me not seeing my wife? Right. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't until Spider-Man. And <laughs> <laughs> I told my wife, yeah, well, we're going to have to uh, not see each other for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's... 
I, I actually I hesitated because of uh, because of that reason, mm-hmm. um, which I think surprised the editor. And you know, I'm like, I have to go think about this. He's like, what? Like, uh, who? this is a Spider-Man book, man. <laughs> yeah, who goes and thinks about doing Spider-Man? Right. The person um, who cares deeply about his relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I had to go and think what I wanted to do with the book. Right. Um, and I quickly kind of came up with the idea. And the idea, like I, before I even started writing, I had about, I guess, say fifteen issues kind of plotted out. Wow. Um, just because you know when you're taking out a big title like that, you have to kind of run a fair amount by the editor, not just your first like three issues. Like, sure. Because um, they had they had a mandate for the book, and I had my own mandate for the book, and wanted to make sure that it worked out well. Um, so yeah, kind of like uh, leaving the book was like, kind of when I was nearing the end of. I guess the 15 issues or so, I had a few other ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I was like, well, do I have the, the kind of ideas where I should kind of keep doing this? Like, are these things that are really exciting and, and you know, the kind of thing that you stay on a title for? Because yeah. I think well, there's a dangerous thing on a title just to stay on a title. Yeah, you don't want to spin your wheels. No, no. And, like, it would be nice to afford someone else the opportunity to do Spider-Man. Like, totally. they ended up... Uh, it, changing it to friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, but still, like I don't think Tom Taylor would have that book if I hadn't left. Mm. Um, it kind of opened up the slot. Um, so yeah, it's it. It just kind of came down to, I think I'm done. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, um, it's uh, it was a hard book to do because of the schedule on it, and rotating artists. So you're kind of writing ahead for some people and um, uh, changing styles as you go. Sure. I think it was like 18 issues in a year was yeah. the schedule of it. That's dope. And and yeah, and, and I had this idea for kind of my final issue, and I'm like, once I kind of had that, I'm like, oh, that should be the final issue. Yeah. Like, uh, you can't just kind of pick up with the next issue like you hadn't done that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the Doctor Doom time-traveling, like, alternate reality Spider-Man story, of course, that spun out of the huge dynamic shift in his relationship with J. Jonah Jameson and all that. Uh, how much friction or opposition did you have to face when you were like, oh, I'm thinking I'm going to have him come out to J. Jonah Jameson about his identity again? Yeah, it's interesting. So in my initial layout of all the issues, uh, issue six was uh, going to be uh, my dinner with Andre kind of thing. So mm-hmm. my dinner with uh, Jameson. And uh, as I was kind of plotting that out, as I got closer to the issue to figure it out, um, I kept running into the thing like, oh, how does it end? Right. You know, just kind of like this back and forth. And, um, so I had the idea to have him, uh, reveal his identity to Jameson and I kind of like figured out what that would, uh, create beyond that initial revelation, uh, kind of change their dynamic. And, uh, so I pitched it to the editor, Nick Lowe, but I pitched it among like three, two other things okay. that I knew weren't going to happen. <laughs> Was that kind of like a, the other two were like so far out of the reach you were like the, the, re- the Jameson thing seemed reasonable? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, one I knew for sure was a no. One I knew I'd have to really fight on. And then the Jameson one felt like the one I could actually get yeah, done. Um, and the editor's only kind of thing was, uh, well, he wanted me to justify it story-wise. And I kind of told him what uh, what this means, why it's the best time for it, what, uh, what kind of stories can spin out of it. And then he was like, okay, well, how do you undo it? <laughs> like like, like if, if 15 issues in. It doesn't work. You know. Yeah, we're like, it doesn't work. We need to change the status quo. Cool. How do you undo this? Yeah. And, you know, there's a part of me that's just like, what the fuck, man? It's comics. Like, Professor X fucking <laughs> rolls up in his wheelchair and wipes his mind. Like, right. Um, but I came up with something a bit more elaborate than that, um, just to kind of satisfy him. Sure. Um, that we had an out if need be. But uh, but I think it, it kind of quickly became a thing where uh, I was having fun with it. Yeah. And uh, Dan Slott was having fun with it, too. And I think now Nick Spencer's having fun with it. So, um, so that, that's it feels great to actually have a, a major change like that kind of carry on right. beyond. It wasn't just uh, like, hey, remember that time during Zdarsky's run when J. Jonah Jameson knew who Spider-Man was and they kind of did nothing with it? Like, no, it's actually really cool. Yeah. Like it, it, it's impactful. Yeah, and, and, you know, we had to make it different than uh, what happened uh, during Civil War right. when it was revealed. So I had to kind of figure out what the... Uh, what the change would be by doing it now versus then. Yeah. Cause then him doing it to the world kind of 
was a slap in the face to Jonah. Right. He took it really personally. <laughs> yeah, because it was so public. Yeah. It was like public shaming of J. Jonah Jameson for all these photos he ran and his tirade against Spider-Man all these years. Yeah. Um, but it felt like now, because it was one-on-one with Jameson and also because they were basically brothers. Exactly. <laughs> for, for, for a while. Like, yeah. I, I felt like the relationship had grown closer that uh, it would change that dynamic. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was yeah super fun to do. Um, I, I, I do miss the book, but I also kind of recognize that like, well, maybe something else will come along and then Spider-Man life story was a thing that I was pitching and, uh, yeah. that got picked up. So uh, that helps. I really want to talk about life story, but before I do, yeah. uh, you, you hit on a couple of things that are just kind of in- like really, really interesting stuff like inside baseball. And, uh, I won't put you to the coals about like anything particularly, but like when you're pitching for Marvel, mm-hmm. do you usually have to add an addendum that's like and how do we undo that mm, no i mean every editor's different okay uh, and every character's different like spider-man's such a you know he's their flagship character so you, you have to have a, a, a contingency plan for that character yeah yeah i'm sure like you know when 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 tom king pitched batman and catwoman and, and the whole marriage stuff like i'm sure that went up the chain that's true <laughs> you know right, you but, get approval from a lot of people to have something like that happen right but changing speedball dependence they're probably like how do we put the genie back in the bottle like they probably just didn't yeah. care they were like no yeah. no whatever <laughs> if somebody 100%. really desperately needs speedball back we'll fix it yeah every, every character is different like i did howard the duck and you can do whatever you want right with howard the duck. like there's no issue there it seemed like um, you had a blast doing that book and then oh, like there was yeah. unfettered access yeah. Uh, do you think, I mean, because here's the thing, with Howard the Duck, like, that character always had, like, a nice cult following, but, like, mm. thanks to your influence, I think it became a lot more recognizable. I mean, not everybody blames the, the, the gun cameo, but I feel like that was a blink-and-you'll-miss-it kind of moment, as opposed to the actual cultural impact that Howard the Duck did actually have on the comic book landscape. Yeah, it's interesting because the, the cameo in Guardians is why I got the book. Really? Like, if it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't be working for Marvel. No shit. Because the editor, uh, Will Moss, called me, like, I think a week after Guardians had come out. And, uh, you know, he was like, hey, have you, have you seen the new Guardians movie? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, did you stay through the credits? I'm like, I did. He's like, Howard the Duck, huh? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I think we could pitch a Howard the Duck comic now. Right, because people are asking what the hell was going on in there. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's a small moment, but it was still enough of a moment that, um, you know, can spark some extra interest in the character. Yeah. Uh, so that's what started that. Um, yeah, yeah, I had so much fun with that book. Do you it think? Was... Oh, sorry, I'm, I don't know. Oh, I was sure. just gonna say it's just it's just bonkers, like just kind of getting to do whatever you want, and right. um, because it's kind of a comedy outside of things book. Um, I just kept throwing characters in yeah. that I wanted to write, thinking that this would be the only book I'd ever do for Marvel. So I kind of wanted to make the most of it. Yeah, totally. Well, oh. it, it doesn't look like you're just throwing everything at the wind at the wall and seeing what sticks it, it feels like an actual like cohesive pl- like pitch um, yeah yeah it started off not as much that like we were kind of like um uh jumping through hoops a little bit to to, to kind of satisfy people above us sure um but then like once i kind of like kind of clicked with what the full story was going to be then we could kind of work towards it um yeah, because it's it's the the challenge with a, a book like that. You don't want it to be you know just kind of one note, kind of jokey thing. Right. Um, you kind of want to build towards something and say something with it, something that differentiates it from the original Howard the Duck run. Exactly. Um, yeah, but you know Joe Canonis on art, like I'm so glad he stuck around for the whole thing. Yeah. Um, he he just drew a four pager. Um, him and I did a, a Howard the Duck four pager for a War of the Realms tie-in. Oh, nice. That with Rico Renzi on coloring, and yeah, it was awesome just to see him draw that duck again. <laughs> Do you think there would be a Howard the Duck cartoon show in the works if there weren't a Zadarsky Howard the Duck book? Because I don't think so. Because um, I feel like the like his cameo in the movie inspired the book, but then yeah. maintained it because the movies, you know, they take forever to make, they take forever yeah. to come out. Most people don't see the friggin' post-credit scenes anyway which is surprising to me at this point in the comic book movie world uh people are like oh there was a post-credit scene i'm like really <laughs> like <laughs> whenever you're sitting in the theater like opening day and like people are getting up I'm like where are you going you going to the bathroom yeah. really quick like because you know there's more yeah um uh, you know my ego would love to think that it has something <laughs> to do with my book but it, i don't think that's the case at all i don't know uh, I, yeah 
because everything I've heard about the project, it's uh, it's all references to the original comic. Really? It's all Howard and Bev and Dr. Bong and oh, okay. um, that kind of thing. So, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to do what they want to do, and sure. I'm, I'm totally fine with it. Um, but yeah, I don't think it has much to do with, uh, with, with our comic. Right. I might be, I might be surprised and maybe things will pop up in there and that'll be, that'll be cool. Yeah. It's funny. The, uh, the one effect that had was when Howard showed up in Guardians of the Galaxy two, yeah. they redesigned him to look like, uh, Joe's drawings. That's what I noticed as well. It was very much reminiscent of the, yeah. like, image you see whenever anybody googles howard the duck nowadays yeah yeah and that's that's super cool yeah that's super cool and uh you know there was there was one point <laughs> um i'm just gonna say this just kind of quickly even though it's the kind of story that I should probably take an hour to tell sure um uh, we put leah thompson in our book uh as a character yeah the original actress from howard the duck and at some point uh after that she contacted me to pitch a howard the duck movie to marvel really and so uh, I got caught up in this craziness in which <laughs> I flew out to L.A. and stayed with Leah Thompson and then went to Marvel Studios and pitched out the Duck movie with her uh, <laughs> last year. That's uh, awesome. Very surreal. And, you know, because um, I grew up watching her stuff and, like, sure. I love Marvel movies. So uh, so we did that and it went well. But then, you know, they announced the, uh, the animated TV thing. So right. I think that's probably dead in the water or it will just turn into something else. Yeah. Yeah, they may. Yeah, well, they 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 rarely want to get two bites of the same apple when it comes to the media. So, so yeah, yeah, especially a character that's like very niche like that. Right, like you can have Spider-Man cartoons and movies and whatever, but uh, but how Howard. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> um, you have had uh, an incredible background uh, in newspapers as well as comics. Yeah. Did um did any of that work? help you prepare to start working in comics because like i'm always fascinated by how people break into the industry and how they use their previous experience to like kind of redefine what the industry kind of like is and what a writer at comic books does um, yeah um it helped me immeasurably like i i wouldn't be doing this without the the newspaper job yeah i worked uh, for a national newspaper in canada for about 13 years um, started off kind of part-time and then uh, turned into full-time when I kind of created my own position there. Because mm-hmm. um, they never quite knew what to do with me because I could write, draw, and I could do videos. And yeah. uh, so, uh, you know, I'd be an illustrator and a cartoonist and uh, and write columns for them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of political stuff. But uh, but the, the, the stuff I learned was to do things fast. Right. Like that's <laughs> that was the big thing because like – most assignments at a newspaper would come in around three or four in the afternoon and has to get turned around by six or seven that day, that day. Yeah. Oh shit. Like, like drawings, graphics, uh, whatever it is like to, to meet the first deadline. Yeah. Um, uh, so it taught me speed and it's taught me to be concise. Like I remember the first thing I pitched was, um, like I've been doing kind of graphics for them for years. Okay. Um, like maps and stock charts and things like that. Gotcha. And then I was like, oh, man, I should start pitching, like, written stuff. And so I would pitch these, like, kind of fake graphics, kind of jokey graphics that Mm -hmm. they could run. Um, And I would write these, you know, jokes to go with them. And I remember the editor coming over, like, this has to be cut by, like, 3,000 words. Like, Like, just get to your punchline, man. It's a newspaper. And I'm like, but all my words are so precious. Yeah. Uh, And they weren't. And uh, that's the big thing I learned is that, you know – be concise and uh and your words aren't precious right and that's the big thing like it makes it a lot easier to do multiple drafts uh and not lose your mind when an editor says you have to change you know several pages of dialogue sure because uh, i think a lot of people they that's where they stumble when they come in because they're like i'm great and then somebody says no you're not <laughs> yeah and that's just a wall for some folk where it's just like well that's the end of that <laughs> yeah 100 percent, 100 percent um, yeah, but, uh, newspapers taught me to, yeah, again, not be precious right. and like just the variety of like skills I picked up in terms of like, um, programs that I used, uh, oh, right. like when I, when I do sex criminals, like, 
you know, I kind of, I lay it out in Photoshop and I do all the lettering and Adobe Illustrator and all the graphic elements. Uh, and I do, you know, page layout and InDesign and, uh, coloring back in Photoshop and, you know, yeah. uh, I draw it all in Manga Studio. Like these are all kind of programs I picked up when I was at the newspaper. Yeah. So that helped a lot. Definitely. Well, because those are all tools of the trade. I'm sure that uh, comics use those literally every single like forever project. Yeah. Um, so having that familiarity definitely would help. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny because yeah, comics are like the the turnaround is unbel- is unbelievable, but the newspaper thing sounds actually even more stressful and, and fast than yeah. the comic turnaround. Yeah, it is. And it's, uh, yeah, you just get used to it. You right. get used to like people kind of running around a newsroom as like, you know, the shit hits the fan <laughs> just before deadline. Sure. Or you have a psychotic episode. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, every week or so at a newspaper. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, so, you know, switching over to the kind of project where, you know, you have a month to do a book. Right, you're like, oh, what am I going to do all this time? It's crazy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, your uh, your graphic experience, I think, definitely helps to contribute to some of those incredibly funny um, how-to-draw-Marvel characters <laughs> that you have in the books. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar, you need to be, because back in the day, they used to have these cute little, like, three-panel uh how to draw where they'd be like draw an oval and then draw like a more interesting oval and yeah. then you're done and it's just like there's no way there's any teaching going on there's no learning oh. and uh it was just this like really weird half-hearted attempt at, at, at explaining how to like get into art and it also is like it harkens back to like old school art books that yeah. i used to read when i was a kid i mean uh i'm sure everyone here has a copy of the like how to draw comics in the marvel way which yeah is a fun book to own, but not exactly the best teaching tool. I wildly disagree. Really? It okay. Is probably the best instructional art book. You think? Uh, yeah. 100%. Why? What, what? Explain. Because I feel well, like uh, I feel it like it goes through everything. It I feel goes like it skips it, it, steps. I think I think it's harder well, to, yeah, it, to it, fill it in skips, the gaps. You know, you're it like, skips the big step, which is get really good at it. <laughs> Which which all of these books do, like unless you're like teaching someone to draw exactly this character like step by step. Yeah. Um, but the, um, how to draw comics the Marvel way teaches you the tools to uh, to start to become a great comic illustrator. Gotcha. Instead of just copying a thing like. Right. Uh, we we talked about it. We were at like yeah we were at uh, I was at the Marvel Summit um, last week and we were talking about that book in the room. Like it's a, it's a book that should be in the hands of every comic artist. Yeah. Cause even, even modern comic artists forget a lot of the rules that were kind of laid out in that book. That's true. Perspective. I remember, uh, there's that great moment in it, um, where it shows you like a flat image, like a flat action image of like the blonde mm-hmm. monster, but like breaking through the wall. And yeah. then it's like, no show like an upward angle. Like remember to yeah. position the camera in a different place. Um, yeah. That book actually helped me kind of like when I was shooting like movies and stuff as a kid, like, cause I remember being like, Oh, I got to get these different angles. I got to get like different dynamic poses. Mm. Like, those are more important. Um, yeah. when I, when I decided that I wasn't going to pursue drawing anymore, <laughs> <laughs> which may yeah, have but, actually been my fault more than Marvel's book. Uh, certainly. But yeah, I mean, the, what you're referencing there, like those pages where it says like, it's John Buscema drawing things right. normal and then drawing them the Marvel way. And it's that's one of the big things that is lost a lot in kind of modern comics yeah. is kind of the dynamism and how to uh, keep visual interest on a page. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I love that book. Like um, every time I buy another copy, I end up giving it to someone, either a kid or oh. a, an artist who's kind of getting into comics because uh, um, it's super, super worthwhile to have. Yeah. And it's super inexpensive. You can just you can get them anywhere. Yeah. Um, any Michaels, I think, probably usually has them. Yeah, uh, but um, but yeah, those but those uh, those how to draw, uh, you know, headshots. <laughs> the, or, the covers, yeah, the, yeah. The covers, uh, they're so funny, and Thanks. they they harken back to that era, and it's like, it it has that great translatability where it's like you're if you're an old school comic fan, you're like, oh, I remember this, and it's great, like, yeah. send up with that trope, and if you don't know it or if you have no experience with it, it's just it's just a fresh new joke. And it's very much, uh, it's probably the closest I've come to doing my newspaper job for the comics. And that's what I was going to say. Like, it seems like you have, like, like it's connected to your experience working in newspapers. They were fast. Like I had to do them all within a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, um, it was just the kind of joke thing that we would do in the newspaper all the time. Like the paper I worked at was like super fun. 
and you know it kind of felt more like a student newspaper than a national newspaper sure. where you know we were just trying to figure out dumb ways to entertain the readers um i had like an ad- the... oh sorry again i was just gonna say i had an advice column yeah they gave me an advice column called extremely bad advice where i would answer readers emails with terrible advice right. accompanied by airline style uh illustrations and the fact that i managed to do that for like six seven years of my run was like insane yeah uh, well, you definitely have a like a significantly strong humor background. Um, have you ever had any other experience in comedy, stand up, that kind of thing, or is it all been behind the scenes? Like you, you kind of like attach it to your art. Uh, when I was younger, I would do videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my buddies did like kind of faux documentaries. Um, my first comedy writing gig is uh, I'm trying to remember which is which. You have Bazooka Joe there in the oh, States? Oh, yeah, we got, we got Bazooka Joe. <laughs> yeah, so we uh, the Canadian version is uh, Pud. Uh, he's essentially Bazooka Joe, uh, and it comes with, like, double bubble bubble gum. Right, yeah. And, uh, and uh, I got a job, me and a buddy got a job writing those strips. Those which strips is, like... are so <laughs> deaf. Like, it's like, yeah. I remember getting Bazooka Joe, opening him up, looking at this dude in a turtleneck and being like what yep. what the hell is this even trying to do like yeah. <laughs> well yeah so well a buddy of mine was like contacted to become the illustrator of those comics and cool. to redesign the characters and he needed gags <laughs> yeah yeah you know give a skateboard or whatever and like um <laughs> uh, he contacted me and my 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 friend to uh to write the gags for it and like we had such a blast and um i never saw any of them in print so I don't know how many actually got through. <laughs> but I remember one, it was just like Pud and the gang. They were just like standing around the street. And like Pud was just like smelling his shirt. Mm-hmm. And he said, you ever notice we all smell like gum? <laughs> all right. That's that's actually kind of the that's a just, cheeky and fun. That's a genuine like, and funny yeah. joke. I feel like it's the only possible good joke you can have. <laughs> I can imagine the double that. bubble people being like, this is too esoteric for children. I can't imagine this really connecting. Yeah, fair, hundred percent fair. <laughs> That's still gold. Well, cause yeah, like, so like yeah. I, I get like weird little writing jobs here and there, and uh, um, not a lot of in front of camera. I, I I was a host of a sketch show for CBC. Oh. That friends were uh, were pitching, and uh, that was a little nerve wracking because I had to actually learn lines. Sure. Uh, but uh, but it never got picked up past wow. the pilot so probably for the best <laughs> i always want to do stuff like that i always want to like talking about directing like i'd love to write and direct movies i think that'd be so much fun yeah. at least one or two you know well you're no stranger to the camera i know that like uh in preparation for a bunch of like books that you're working on or have worked on in the past you <laughs> did these incredibly amazing youtube videos and facebook live videos that you were like yeah. generously offering to comic book retailers and being like oh no i'll make custom videos for you uh, do you remember how many you actually wound up making uh, yeah, for Daredevil, uh, I did um, something like 53. Yeah. Uh, and I did them all in one afternoon. <laughs> like, I just did them back to back. I'm just like, you know, I, I didn't start over on any of them. I'm just like, no, it's... <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> Not to put a two-on-a point on it, but it's kind of obvious. But it's, uh, but there's, so, but that's like, that part of it is so, it, it's so genuine and fun. And like, what, what I seem to notice in a tr- uh, as a trend in the comic book industry is like everyone's kind of trying to do something that no one's ever done before. And that's kind of something that no one's ever trying. Like just having creators go like, hey, I'm in front of the camera. What's going on? Let me like let me sell the book directly to you. Um, yeah, there are a lot of avenues to kind of stand out and um, and show your personality yeah. and, and get people on your on your books. Um, you know, a lot of people see it as a slog. Like, oh, I got to log into Facebook or Twitter oh, or definitely. whatever. Um, but yeah, I've never viewed it as that. Like, you know, I'm excited about my stuff and I just want to let people know and yeah. I don't want to bore them with the sales pitch. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. You think you're really going to like this one? You're not going to believe what happens to Daredevil in this episode? Like, no, it's like, let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to buy the book, you're going to buy the book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but those are great. I just, I, I, that actually got you on my radar, uh, in a big, bad way. Usually you were, I was just kind of like, this dude's awesome. I want to read his shit. But then when I saw you making videos, I'm like, oh, okay, he, he might actually want to come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he has a familiarity. Cause like there are some creators that I've like, I've been desperate to talk to and they're like, oh, I don't do social media. I don't do Skype. I don't do like any of that. Like, yeah. if you want to talk at the convention, I might go to two of them this year. 
Yeah. I'm like, right on. Okay. Like, and you know, there's something to be said for oh, that too. Like scarcity. the work, the work speaks for itself. Absolutely. Um, Especially people who are like, who've like stopped or haven't worked in the industry in a long time or only do like very specific niche projects. You know, they're kind of like, Hey, come to me. I'm good. I don't need to go out yeah. there. My days of hustling are over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're financially comfortable and yeah, you're just like, you've got your audience and fine. Yeah. Yeah. But no, those, those, those videos are great. Um, oh, thanks. It's cool. Like the, uh, I, I think just your artistic background and being like, I want to do like you do all these different things, lends you to the versatility that we're talking about. Um, before we jump into the next thing, I wanted to mention that um, just as on a personal note, Marvel Two and One might have been one of the most Marvel comics I've ever read in modern times. Um, yeah, your, wow. your run on Marvel Two and One, which was of course a predecessor, it, though inadvertently to the re- yeah. to the return of the Fantastic Four. Uh, as I understand, you had no idea they were coming back. Uh, no, but uh, um, I found out very quickly. Oh, okay, like, like you think... were working on it, and they're like, "Hey, whoa, 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 stop!" <laughs> well, basically, yeah, I, I'd I'd gone to one of the retreats, and um, I got pulled aside by my editor. And the assistant editor, and they kind of like they closed the door to the office, which I thought meant I was being fired. Sure. <laughs> and they're like, nobody outside this room except for like three people know, um, but the FF are coming back. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why am I doing this a, book, guys? <laughs> well, no, as a fan, I'm just like, I'm super excited. I'm like, yeah. that's amazing. But then I'm like, well, what's going on? And then uh, they're like, well, Dan, Dan's going to be writing it, and um, I'm like, okay, well. Um, I need to figure out how that works with what I'm doing right now. Yeah. And so I think the next day we had like a bit of a sidebar from the main retreat in which we, I got in a room with uh, Dan and the editors and he kind of laid out um, his plans, which is always fun. Like if you ever get a chance to have Dan Slott talk through a Fantastic Four story with you, he sure. does like the Ben Grimm voice. Oh, yeah. He does. I've actually talked to him just at cons. And yeah. like his his predilection for voices is incredible, yeah. and especially if you if you have a good ear for it, you can be like, I think I know where that's from. Like his his J. Jonah Jameson is from the nineteen sixty cartoon show. Yeah, uh, yeah, and his Ben Grimm is 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 fantastic. It's awesome. So like he regaled me with what he was doing. I'm like, oh, this is exciting, and now you've ruined the book for me, like right. as a reader, <laughs> which is one of the downsides I find to uh, to working for Marvel. Sure, is the fact that like all these stories are spoiled for me now. Yeah. But um, but yeah, after he laid out what he was going to be doing, and they knew the month it was coming back and how it would line up with two and one, I basically had Dan and uh, Tom and Alana, the editors, kind of work with me to kind of figure out, okay, well, um, what of mine has to change now to line up, and there'll be a bit of overlap, but because uh, I was already well on my way, I think I'd written seven issues at that point. Okay. Oh wow, you uh, were really well. You were deep in there. Yeah, yeah. So we had to like figure out. Um, how this is going to work yeah yeah oh man but like that that with like doom merging with galactus the ultimate reality is like so great and just but it's incredible how you balanced the high-flying like cosmic epic nature of the fantastic four infused it with like the lifeblood of the marvel universe but you still get books like that flashback issue where it's ben and reed uh back at school yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, like this guy isn't just like funny. He gets it. And it's oh, like thanks. it's kind of remarkable. Um, especially during that time. And I think it was a big breath of fresh air for a lot of people who were reading Marvel at that time where they're like, Okay, I think I see where they're going with this, and it's pretty friggin' dope. Um It was insanely fun. Yeah. Like uh, I I love uh uh Ben and Johnny so much as characters. Yeah. And to kind of get to tell that story with them and just go as big and wild as possible. Right. Um, yeah, so much fun. And uh, having Jim Chung do three of those issues, oh, yeah. one, two, and six, like, God, he nailed it. Yeah. Like, like the emotion that comes out of that guy's pencil is unbelievable. No, it's true. I love, yeah, uh, I, but I did love Sheedy's work. Is that how I pronounce oh, it? Oh, God, yeah. I'm assuming it's a Skeety. Skeety, Valeria thank Skeety. you. That actually helps me out a big, in a big bad way because I've been saying his name is Shitty the entire time. It, it uh, might be. I don't know for sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm always assuming the C and the H. I'll go with Skeety, though. That hard. sounds much easier to say out loud. Uh, he's so great. Like, right? I was, I was really worried because it's like, okay, we have Jim Chung for two issues, and then I had to write the script for issue six. So he could start drawing that, and then we were going to get somebody else to do three, four, and five. 
I was like, well, you know, no one will be as good as Jim Chung, but uh, but Valerio's just like unreal. Right. He's so he's so fun. Yeah, and, and no matter what crazy thing you threw at him, he could just design the hell out of it. Yeah, he's awesome. That's and then true. Dan stole him for Iron Man. Right, exactly. Fucking <laughs> Dan Slott. Yeah, he's doing a good job though. I gotta say, his work on uh, his, yeah. his work, no matter what book he's on, is just unparalleled. Yeah, um, no, his stuff's great. Yeah, um, I'd work with him again in a heartbeat, and Jim Chung especially. Like we've yeah. talked before about like that. This was uh, this felt like a uh, very synergistic. Like him and I working together. Yeah. Like I think he enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. He uh, he sent me a page of original art from issue six, oh. and it's just gorgeous. Like, like yeah, because they don't. By the way, they don't have to do that. Like most folk oh. have to buy the art, so. And I offered to buy because, like, um, I offered to buy from issue one, issue two. Yeah. Uh, He said that he uh, wasn't letting any of it go. Like, he wasn't even selling it because he just loved the work that he did on it so much. I'm like, that's good to know, but I really want a page. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. And he he sent me uh, the first page of issue six with uh, Reed and Doom talking. And it's awesome. That's a great page. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I love that. That was so much fun. Yeah. That Marvel two and one number one, I think, is one of the most recent. Like, one of those books where I keep buying it. Like, it keeps like I, f- I keep finding it like either in like a dollar bin or like it's signed, and I'm like, well, gotta get another copy of Marvel two and one. Such a good book, because it's like awesome. as a kid, I wasn't really a Fantastic Four fan. Um, no, I was more of a Spider Man guy, which meant that I treated the Fantastic Four like my extended family, where I'm like, oh yeah, yeah no, I care about them, but like I don't want to read any of their books. Um, yeah, but. Uh, but over the years, like, you know, family, of course, got more important when you get older and, uh, you know, you get more connected to those characters. And the, their absence in the Marvel Universe was, like, so seismically felt that it was like, oh, you like, I kind of really, like, am going through withdrawal. Then you go back and, like, read some of the Burn Era stuff and you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, this is really, this is a vacuum. And then Marvel 2 and 1 comes on the scene like a friggin' Thunderbolt. Nobody was expecting it. And I remember, like, in the, in the critic community, people were just like, have you been reading this book? Like, <laughs> holy crap. And... Yeah, and it was like it was a real bummer when we heard it was like wrapping up, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, it, it it felt like the appropriate thing to do. Oh, um, totally, yeah, yeah. It was one of those things like we could have kept going, and I was like, well, like I don't know if the world needs two Fantastic Four books, right? Like it would be fun to write the characters, but um, kind of the beauty of writing Marvel Two in One was the fact that um, I kind of had the keys to all the characters yeah. of the FF and could do whatever I, I wanted. And then I, I would just find myself in the same position I was in with spectacular Spider-Man Exactly. where, you know, almost literally, cause like Dan doing amazing oh, yeah. uh, meant that uh, I had to kind of make sure what I was doing jived with what he was doing. Right. Um, just to make sure I don't step on any toes. Or, or wreck his plans and uh, you know i'd be the secondary book to ff and like i'm sure it be, would have been fun on one level but on the other yeah. it would have been like oh okay well i want to bring these characters and have them do this and you know have this character die but i can't do that because of this and like yeah yeah would have been too many kind of hoops to jump through i think can you tell us a little bit um and if not that's cool but like i would love to know and this is just kind of like as a comic book fan, when you're doing books, like when you have side-by-side titles like Amazing Spectacular or, in that case, Fantastic Four and Two-in-One um, running concurrently, uh, what is, if you can give us like a kind of truncated version mm-hmm. of like the process by which you guys share notes and like not step on each other's toes so that you can work in tandem with each other? Uh, I was lucky because um, as soon as I got the job for Spectacular, I flew to New York and um, had a, a lunch meeting with um, the uh, all the editors on Spider-Man and Dan. Mm-hmm. So um, so Dan told me everything he had coming up in the next year or two, and I told him everything I had coming up in Spectacular. And and so we just kind of filled each other in, like, in person, which okay. helped a lot. Um, so, and, and nothing, like, I made sure in Spectacular there's a lot of, time travel-y alternate universe stuff happening in right, the book. Right, so you could stay out of the main universe a little bit? Yeah, yeah, so I could stay out of his way, because he was doing, like, you know, because that first meeting, like, he laid out his whole plan, Yeah. Um, which was massive, sure. like, for when he was going to jump off the book. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty big, so I don't want to get in the <laughs> way and, like, have Spider-Man doing some jokey stuff over here while, yeah. you know, all this stuff's happening. So, um 
so I, I was just very conscious of it and made sure that whatever I was doing stayed out of his way and kind of alternate universe stuff right. <laughs> helped with that a lot. So um, it really, I mean, it ultimately comes down to the editors to kind of traffic manage that stuff. Yeah. Like if I had like a very specific question, you know, I'd email Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, like, you know, if I have to reflect a, a change um, in my book, then the editor will usually flag a thing in my script. I gotcha. Um, the, the bigger issue is actually the Marvel Universe as a whole. Because mm. sometimes the editor won't know something's happened. Uh and then the script, my script will come in and he'll be like, oh, wait, yeah, no, Black Widow's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a thing that happened. Yeah, no, that's Or like yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. When you do the, like, uh, yeah, when you do the, 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 when you align the timelines, you're like, oh, yeah, Secret Empire, yeah. Yeah, like S.H.I.E.L.D. was dissolved, but right. I'd already made uh, Teresa Parker a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Yeah, so what the hell are we doing now? <laughs> yeah, like, like we had a free comic book day comic, you know, at the printer. In which he's wearing like a shield uniform, mm-hmm. and then uh, we found out that shield was no longer a going concern. <laughs> I'm like, well, my whole thing is about her being a shield agent, so you kind of like you have to kind of reverse engineer. You have to figure out like, okay, well, why is she a shield agent when shield doesn't exist? Yeah, and we created this offshoot of shield that was like called the Gray Blade, which you know still exists after shield. So, you know, again, you have to jump through the hoops to make it line up. Sure. Which is fine. Like that's kind of part of the deal when you work at Marvel or DC. Oh, totally, is like yeah. um, you both benefit from, and you have to kind of deal with continuity. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, life story is mm-hmm. something else. Um, can it's you... a great quote. I can put that on the book. <laughs> life story is something else. Yeah, please, it's right on the front. Something else. It's something else. <laughs> uh, well, when it when it when it comes to continuity and everything, because it's yeah. because it's something else. Um, can you talk before we get into like the nitty gritty and I talk about how much that book is awesome? Uh, where did that idea come from, and what was the process like to be like to try and sell it? Well, a couple of years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to do kind of this like big maxi series mm-hmm. um, uh, about the Marvel universe, as if the sliding timeline didn't exist, sure. that everything occurred in real time. And so I had like huge plans, like, you know, stupidly had huge plans. I'm like, oh, and the, the first 50 issues will be about this. And then <laughs> about this. I'm like, you know, just really out there. Yeah. Uh, I'd soft pitched it before to editors and, uh, you know, nothing ever lined up. And then when I was doing two in one with uh, uh, Tom Brevoort and Alana Smith, like Tom, he's been in Marvel for 30 years. Yeah. And he knows everything about the characters like everything you could run anything by him and he'd just know it mm-hmm. so uh, i pitched it to him because he seemed like the right guy sure and uh he was like this is, i like it but it's like you know it's so big like what's our focus and i was like well the focus could be these characters and he's like okay but i don't know if that works like as a as a whole and i was like yeah he's kind of right mm-hmm. and then he's the one that kind of came back and said what if we just made it spider-man but in that universe oh because uh, he's like, you know, because you're just wrapping up Spider-Man and like you'd have another Spider-Man thing. And, you know, people would already know if they like your stuff on Spider-Man, they come over to this. Right. And I'm like, OK, that that makes a lot more sense. But um, a lot of the kind of the plot elements that I had in my larger Marvel Universe pitch still wound up in this because cool. you still have to kind of like you have to keep in mind the evolution of the world and all the other characters alongside Spider-Man. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's how it started. And uh, my only regret is I should have just pitched the 1960s as a miniseries and then done the 1970s as a miniseries <laughs> in the 80s because, like, uh, it's a real puzzle piece. To, you know, they gave me extra pages for each issue. I got, like, 30 pagers yeah. for all six. And it's such a puzzle piece to, like, kind of hit the major points you want to hit. And, and then jump 10 years? Yeah, it, within the, the, the time jump and also uh, narrative st- uh, narratives for the characters actually, you know, work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> from decade to decade. Uh, sure. Yeah. It's hugely challenging. I reread all of Amazing Spider Man um, just to prepare for it. And nice. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny because they were like, oh, this is doing well. We should do another one. I'm like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I never thought I'd hit the day where, you know, the idea of reading hundreds of comics would, uh, would feel like work. Uh, 
it would feel like work. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'd have the time to devote to another project like this. Yeah. Well, uh, Spider-Man Life Story, this book is friggin' cool, and there's only one issue out right now. Yeah. A yeah. six-issue miniseries in which we basically say, what if the Marvel timeline just kept going? What if there was no St. Elsewhere, like Franklin Richards reboot timeline, whatever? Who knows what their <laughs> justification is? Um, <laughs> the, uh, the interesting thing is, like, issue one, because in the 60s, time moved in real time in the yeah. comics. So there wasn't a lot. Like, I kind of, like, had to find these weird little areas where I'm like, well, maybe this would shift a little bit. And maybe this, you know, right. this character would know about this and that. Like, um uh, so it doesn't it doesn't really give you the premise uh, in issue one until the end with with Captain America. Yeah. Um, uh, but issue two is just like off the rails. Oh yeah, I can't wait, man. Because like the first issue. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm trying to pin this down. Is Bagley drawn all of it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good because I was like at first I was under the impression that like it was different artists for different decades. Um, but the first issue with Bagley's art is like. Everything you loved about Ultimate Spider-Man, but better. Like, yeah. Bagley just keeps reinventing himself, and he keeps, like, just adding to the, the stuff you love about what he does. Yeah, so, he's he's a workhorse. Like, yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Like, I've got anxiety <laughs> over um, uh, the speed at which the pages come in and how finished they are. Right. Like, his pencils are tight. I'm like, how are they so tight? Like... <laughs> Nothing makes sense about this guy. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, he's he's pretty incredible. But uh, but that book, um, so you got this you got this incredible story that like seems like it's going to be a private kind of like like we're going to look at it only at Peter Parker, and everybody else yes. has this framework. Yeah, like you know, like I said, you still have to touch upon other people. Like, um, uh, it's bonkers. Like I'm I'm very curious what people are going to think of issue two. Issue two, I think, is when it's really going to crystallize for people like what this series is going to be. Yeah, but... his life is his life is quite different uh, in issue two from what the comics depicted it. Sure. Um, <laughs> because it's it, that's when it kicks in. That's when everyone actually starts aging, really. Gotcha. In Marvel universe, um, and uh, yeah, so it's funny because it everything diverges so much as you kind of keep going. Like I've just written the final issue, and. Um, because Peter Parker's like 72 in it and all yeah. the other characters of age and stuff like uh, the world is quite different by the time you the further away you get from the Genesis you yeah. know um, if I can ask a more generic kind of like answered question hmm. uh, with respect to the series what is your favorite decade of this series and which decade do you think the fans are going to love the most Okay, well, uh, this is interesting because um, when I got to issue three, which is the 80s, yeah. um, that's kind of my entry point into comics, Sure. So especially Spider-Man. And so I was hitting all these kind of major beats of Spider-Man's life, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, you know, I couldn't tell if I was trying to squeeze in all this stuff because I grew up reading them or because they were actually important. Right. They were you important know? to you, so. Yeah, yeah. So uh, – you know, I had to pull back a little bit and go, whoa, do we need a hobgoblin in here? Like, is that <laughs> yeah. um, So I had to be very careful that I wasn't just uh, doing this from an emotional point. Yeah. Um, but I also realized when I was working on the issue, I was just like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, not even the halfway point. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's still, like, 30 more years. Right. Like, uh, it just clicked for me that uh, I am so old. Right. <laughs> like, all yes. this stuff feels like, you know, cause it's still kind of fresh in my mind, the stuff, you know, I grew up reading. Yeah. Uh, and to know that between now and back then is a longer period of time than between then and the origins of Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of, it broke me a little bit. Sure. Um, That's a great quote, too. Life story will make you feel old. <laughs> it really will. <laughs> will remind you how old you are. That's uh, That's really it. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, on a personal level, that issue, uh, the 80s issue, uh, kind of really strikes a chord with me. But, man, like, you know, um, I had an argument with it, my editor. Not an argument, but a disagreement. Sure. Because when we hit issue four, it's uh, the 90s. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I gave him my pitch. And, you know, it's clones. Sure. And he's like, uh, he's like, I lived through that. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Right. We just can't do this. You have to avoid the clones. Because he was working at Marvel during that whole thing. Yeah. 
which sounded like a very stressful time to be working at Marvel. I can't even imagine. <laughs> and so I had to, I had to really convince him, and I, I uh, I'm like, let me let me write up the issue summary, and I'll send it to you. Yeah. And when I did. He's like, oh, that's that's great. Okay. That's great. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> so yeah. So like that that felt like an important issue in terms of like the victory of like being able to tell like a clone saga story that yeah. um isn't convoluted. Mm-hmm. Well, and, it's only one issue. Yeah, it could, yeah, it can't be convoluted, and the fact that the editor who like lived through it and had to like work on those books, yeah, um, happy with it. That 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 it, felt like an important. Yeah. One. It's good to know there's people at Marvel that work there that still remember it, so they can try and keep it from happening again. Because like <laughs> yeah. the kind of shit you got to be like, there needs to be like an old guard that's there, like a vizier that's like, don't do it again. That is Tom Brevoort. Man, I feel so bad for him because he's lived through what, three more clone sagas since the other one? And he's, <laughs> and every time I'm sure he's like, it's an uphill battle. He's like, you got to make sure you have an ending ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't go through three years of this. No. Woof. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Like, I was reading, like, the history of that. And, like, by the end of the clone saga, nobody working on the books were from the original group of people who worked on the books. Right. <laughs> Like it had passed through so many hands and like variations yeah. uh, that. <laughs> no, they were just they were just like I don't know where to I don't know I don't know, I mean like but that was kind of like the, the modus operandi over there back then. It felt like that where they were just like I don't know what what do you think, like literally I mean if if you were if you were buying comics back then, uh, particularly Marvel books you might have picked up an issue where there's like a survey card inside. That was like, would you like to see Rogue and, Mar- and, and Gambit get married? Would you like to see Spider-Man and Mary Jane get a divorce? <laughs> would you like to see Sabretooth become a superhero? And I'm like, dude, I don't fucking know. Why don't you make these decisions? I'm yeah, 11. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I thought you people had this on lockdown. Yeah. Nope. Just, like, just ask them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the, you know, the victims of success. Like, yeah. Clone Saga sold, so they just yeah. kept telling Clone Saga. And without a way out. No, but uh, but that's cool. <laughs> I'm 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 really excited to see where it ends up as a, from a story perspective. I mm-hmm. can't wait to see like what you chose and what elements like you feel like kind of like encapsulate that character in that time. It's 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 unprecedented. This title. Um, it's you, it's tricky. Yeah. You're also <laughs> doing beautiful covers for these books. Oh, uh, thanks. And you're drawing them, so like, and they're great. They remind me very much of the Tim Sale Spider-Man Blue book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, where each page is very heavy and, like, in, it's a very graphic page. Um, mm. Graphic-oriented, I should say. Um, you know, like, one symbol, one image, and Spider-Man, like, kind of connected to it. The next one is the 70s. It's a disco ball with, yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a pumpkin bomb. It's gold. I'm quite proud of that one. <laughs> <laughs> it really, you know, it's funny. I was actually looking at it in preparation for the for the show, and I was like, it, I felt like the Saturday Night Fever like disco like note that you think of every time you think of like the '70s, and it was like yep. it just it really worked. And I'm like, I'm so excited for this book. The uh, the covers have been a fun challenge because it kind of, I went to school for interpretive illustration, really, and uh, and kind of the heart of that is kind of finding. Um, combinations of things. Sure. Like you're summarizing, you know, a, a magazine article or a newspaper column or whatever um, with a visual that kind of like reveals something new, usually through combination of uh, imagery. Okay. And so uh, these covers kind of feel like that, especially like, you know, disco ball, but it's also the, the, the pumpkin. <laughs> exactly. You know? um, uh, and there are a few more kind of coming up that I'm like pretty proud of. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that Marvel let me do them because it was kind of a, a bit of a wild pitch. Like, oh hey, you know, here's this idea and here's this very bookstore-looking cover. Right. Uh, and Would, they were like, yeah, it'll stand out. Right. That's the thing. I, I think uh, no. I mean, most of the big sales come from bookstores nowadays. So. Mm-hmm. But maybe sense. not necessarily individual issues. Like. No. But um, I think it was like the last retreat. I went to the office and um, in the editor's office, he has all the kind of all the covers that they're working on right now kind of yeah. like pinned up on a wall and um, the Spider-Man one jumped out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was issue five. It was the Captain America one. And it's just like, oh, yeah, you can spot that from across the room. That's so awesome. That feels like a success. So, right. yeah, we'll see. That's exciting. 
Yeah. Um, we didn't even get a chance to talk about your image work, and that sucks. But uh, I got to ask, um, what's coming down the pipeline for Chip Zdarsky in the next uh, couple months? Well, uh, Daredevil and Invaders are the big ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, the Daredevil launch seems to have gone pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's into it, which is nice, and Invaders as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think people are going to be pretty surprised with Invaders. Uh, issue four comes out this week, and mm-hmm. it's kind of the secret history of Namor. Um, yeah, I'm hearing some good buzz. Yeah, yeah, and we weaved in uh, Charles Xavier, which is always uh, always makes for a fun time. Sure. And um, issue five and six are just relentless. Like, nice. I got all the art in from issue five, and I was like, oh my god! Like, I don't know how people are going to react to this. Like, it's really over the top. That's exciting. Um, yeah, which it is better be. Which is I mean, fun. it's a comic book. It's got to be over the top. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta blow the doors off every time. Yeah, yeah, and I, I love Namor, like, and I love Captain America, like, yeah. Uh, having those two go head to head, it's been a blast. Definitely. And Daredevil is like, oh, Daredevil, uh, it's it's so dark, it's also it's, relentless, it's so bleak, and 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 yet, like, it encapsulates the character. Uh, this like this this damaged dude. It's very like House MD meets superhero. I'm I'm digging it. Oh, thanks. And the um, I don't know if you're caught up with issue three. Mm-hmm. Um, the end of that shows the the Punisher. Yeah. And uh, issue four is just like, uh, it's so much fun writing the Daredevil Punisher relationship. I love seeing it. Um, and I feel like you're gonna you're gonna yeah blow the doors off with that character. Like yeah, I haven't seen you really work with Frank in a while. Like outside of like maybe like a joke or something. Like yeah, we did a joke story myself and Jason Latour and Howard the Duck. Yeah, exactly. It was a lot of fun. Right. Um, but yeah, in this case, it's like yeah, trying to sum up uh, the Punisher in an issue, um, and give something new to that relationship between uh, Daredevil and Punisher. That was a ton of fun. And uh, I'm getting art back from issue five from Marco right now. And it's like, oh, man, it's just so good. He's so good on that book. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he's off after arc one. He's coming back for arc three. And uh, I know Marvel offered him other things. And he's like, nope, I'm on Daredevil. I'm like, oh, thank God. Because he's doing a great so job good. on that book. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. Um, I wanted to ask about uh, in regards to your own art. Um, mm-hmm. There's that incredible moment uh, in Peter Parker Spectacular where there's the uh, the proposal scene. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, was there besides the like the delight? Uh, was there? Did you hear from the other guys? Did they? Did they like, <laughs> no, <laughs> they didn't. Call I mean, it. like, I think Tom had like had fun with it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit because it's clearly done with affection. Like yeah, no, I, I didn't think it was like mean. I thought it was just kind of like a fun, like yeah, we know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was one of those things where like, because um, that was an issue 300 of yeah. Spectacular, and we had like enough space for like an eight page backup, and the editor was like, oh, we can get uh, Goran Parlov on it. I'm like, oh my god, he's amazing. Like, what does he want to draw? He's like, he wants to draw Black Cat. I'm like, Dumb. no problem. <laughs> and then yeah, I just started thinking about like. All the hullabaloo around the proposal yeah. for Batman and Catwoman. I'm like, oh, we should totally just reverse that. <laughs> Such a Spider-Man move. Yeah, <laughs> it was just—it was a great moment, and uh, I know that the community was like, we, they really appreciated it and thought it was funny. And I just was, I, uh, just as a, as a fan, I'm like, did they treat it with as much fun and uh, and as, as you did? Like, I mean, uh, Tom for sure. Um, I have no idea about anyone above Tom. Oh, sure, no, yeah. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, they I don't. They probably wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know if I'm getting any offers from DC anytime soon. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, no, I think that uh, talent recognizes talent. I think that, like, you know, you can you can negotiate your own rate, whatever. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> but no, it's uh, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for sitting down and talking with us. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what else you got down the pipeline. Um, you are relentless. Your work is uh, unparalleled, and it speaks for itself, but I will continue to do so for the next uh, uh, run of your career. I'm looking forward Aww. to seeing where it comes and goes. Oh, thanks, man. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what was it? Sex Criminals is an incredible mm-hmm. series. Uh, I, I don't want to discount it because it's like, this is such a great book, and it's indie. <laughs> so Yeah, it's in, it's coming back. Um 
I just got the script for issue 26. Yeah, and it's only, it's, this is it, right? Like, it's like 31? Yeah. Issues? Yeah, 31, and we're out. So, if you, have you haven't, if you haven't checked it out, the premise is, is hilarious, but the story is sweet and beautiful. Uh, you gotta check it out. Yeah, thanks. Um, this is Chip Zdarsky. Thanks so much for being here, man. And uh, where else can they find your amazing, hilarious uh, daily entertainment besides comics? Uh, on the internet, probably. Mm-hmm. You're over on Twitter. Yeah, uh, yeah. Zdarsky, <laughs> check him out. Yeah, if you find me, you find me. If you don't, uh, you're not missing much. <laughs> he is very modest as much as he is talented. Check him out. Everybody. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time here on another episode of Elseworlds Exchange. Uh, so long. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.